0: There we go. Cool. So what's up, guys? This is episode five of the Big Ben Strongcast. I'm here today with Coach Al uh, from McClay. Um, Coach, can you give me just a little bit of a background? How long you've been coaching? uh, Where you're at right now? I got into McClay
1: 19-
0: uh, 99,
1: but we started in 2000 and I started with my, with my, uh, my experience with shot and discus. Okay. And then from there it took over to 2004 where they opened up a new part of the, uh, weight room section up the new gymnasium they built. And that allowed me to do part-time work with the student athletes, which mm-hmm. then catapulted into a full-time position for roughly been doing this for about 16, 16 years now. Altogether,
0: as the strength and conditioning coach. Yes, right yes,
1: and that's that. That was grades. That still is grades seven through twelve.
0: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I. It's really cool. It's really cool to have like a a middle school high school combo because mm-hmm. you get to you get to actually have a big hand in their long term athletic development. That's correct. Cool. Just from like you're not trying to fix other people's mistakes the whole time, <laughs> you know, which is that's correct. Kind of a nightmare sometimes. Um, okay, so. Uh, 20 years that you've been in the strength and conditioning realm in some kind. Well, how did you get started as an athlete? Was that as a – Oh, as an athlete? Well, my desire was to play
1: football in the seventh grade. Okay. And to go further yeah. beyond that, my uncle was the one that got me into uh, strength training. Okay. We used to watch all the old CBS specials from uh, – They come out once a year, the strongman competitions. Oh, and yeah, I was like yeah. seven, We're eight years of age. Yeah. Yep. And then I witnessed—I witnessed my uncle one time pick up a side of the car, and that just blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to be like Uncle George. Right. And then uh, he would come home from his uh, Los Angeles getaway. He was uh, in a church and come home for a week or two. And when he came home, I was always blown away by how big he was—six mm-hmm. foot four, three hundred pounds. Oh, man. his chest is bigger than Arnold Schwarzenegger. He had a sixty-one in his Boy, chest. That's crazy. And that body is this big, strong guy. Right. So that that went further into. The interest, And then um, looking through muscle magazines and doing all the things back in the late seventies to early eighties. Mm-hmm. And then I had a really strong desire when I was 13. So out of seventh grade going into eight, I started in that summer, 1985 and, and it back. Mm-hmm. So I've got over 30, a little over 30 years now of well, 20, 35 Oh my gosh. Years of yeah. this kind of stuff. And I always had the desire to be strong more than anything right. because of the inspiration.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I really wanted to be big also. Mm-hmm. So we started to go into all that from my eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade years. And that football is what really made me understand how much more dominant I was
0: mm-hmm.
1: with the belief, at least that I could do anything I wanted to do on the field. And I had no idea what football was about. I just told to join. So I did, right. but even at eighth grade, I was squatting, 15 for okay. for five reps. How, how much did you weigh at the time? Do you think? I'm going to think maybe about 165 to 170 as an eighth grader. Yeah, I had a mustache, and then <laughs> ninth grade I got as big as 185, oh and and then it just kept on going. My my senior year I ended up weighing about 215, and I'm only five foot nine and three quarters. Right, right. So, but I was squatting 575. I was benching. 15. It wasn't nothing big, but yes. my squats were always my, my go to. And I learned that the lower body leg strength was key to most anything that I did mm-hmm. as an athlete. Right. So I did the football and I did shot and discus yeah. in uh, high school. I loved every minute of it. Mm-hmm. Then I proceeded to go into college yeah. and just carried right over in college. And I became a walk on Florida State in 1993. And well, back up. I my first year of college was at Herkimer County Community College up in New York State, and then I did shot put, discus and javelin. Okay. I couldn't compete with those guys in the shot and discus because they were much bigger than me, but the javelin I picked up pretty good. And Again, I just got so good at it because of my pure, raw strength mm-hmm. and my explosion that I had, yeah. and then I came to FSU and did all that stuff, and then I continued, and then I was done with, with college, just kept on continuing with it, and then... I come to McClay and that's kind of where I'm at right now. So, in my younger years, the uh, the influence was football mm-hmm. and then shot and discus right. and everything just big improvement in my athletic ability. And back in the 80s, we didn't do Olympic lifting.
0: Right. It we it did, was we not big that.
1: No, no. And nobody really knew about it, so we did power lifting and bodybuilding together. And even yeah. that by itself got the athlete just dominant physically. Oh, yeah. And we were trained by Upstate New York's got tons of powerlifters, mm-hmm. and we were trained by um, several older guys and Mark Callager. He was my strength coach too for a while. Peter Carbone was in the beginning. That Mark came to the end, and uh, he was big into everything. So we learned a lot yeah. from guys. And like anything that we become, we become cross crossbreeded of who taught us, right. and we continue to learn, and build upon that.
0: Oh yeah, really awesome experience. Oh, me. and that's a that's such a great. Kind of a great example of how you, how you come to where you're at now with how you train your athletes and strength and conditioning is, is it, you know, you kind of, you find the things that you learned as an athlete that worked really well, yeah. and you also learned the things that didn't work really well, and make sure not to do that with the athletes that you do. So, um, with that being said, what do you think is, what do you think is the biggest difference from how you train as an athlete to how you train your athletes as a coach? Biggest difference is what I know. Okay. And then
1: when you have the knowledge you put through the application, and then you you have the uh, knowledge through what you hear in the world of every sport and how it's changed and revolutionized every sport out there, even basketball, even baseball. Mm -hmm. Baseball was one of the last holdouts. They didn't believe in going doing this, doing that. And now they're starting to catch in. That's still, why you have all these issues. You're still so, a little bit behind.
0: Still like, no, nope, we're not gonna press. We don't we don't want to use our arms. We don't wanna do anything.
1: And there is truth to that, yeah. especially when they have games over and over and over. Right. But I find ways where I could still do some of that with no issues. And mm-hmm. that's my experiment. Yeah. So to go back to the question again, I have noticed the changes over the year through these athletes out there just becoming enormous. Mm-hmm. And and you, you you ask the question, what's going on? Why? And then you examine the workout. So you learn from this. So back in my day to now, completely different. But nothing's changed as far as the foundation goes. Right. You just add more to the foundation. Mm-hmm. Your squats are always going to be your squats. Your yep. DLs and your yep. – but then all this Olympic lifting really started to catapult really big, especially in the 90s. Yeah. And now it's just – it's it,
0: yeah.
1: and down the south, that is it. Yeah. Up in the north, it's still an issue. I know for a fact. I right. talk to my co- my my high school coaches still. Yeah, they still don't do the power cleans. Yeah, and that's my opinion. Is why the athletes are so much more successful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Back to your question again: yeah. the changes, yeah. the knowledge, understanding, then the application. Those are the things that I've I've definitely changed, and the application is definitely different too. Right. Oh my gosh, you learned so much. Okay,
0: yeah. Uh, that's. I think that's a really interesting thing. Just that the foundation really, it, it really is the same. Like, it's not much has new has developed as far as tr- how training was in the '80s versus now. It's more just tweaked and modified a little bit, uh-huh. but not. I mean, nothing really is is any different. It's still movement is movement. You need to get strong. You need to be big, and that's pretty much it. Um, exactly. You know, what is so let's I want to get to some of these questions because these are good. Okay. Um, I, I love this one because I'm a huge fan of gym stories. What is the most impressive feat <laughs> of strength you've ever witnessed? It was, uh, i will witness witnessed the most
1: impressive feat of strength. I had to go back because I've been to a lot of gyms. I remember, I was at Gold's Gym and I saw one of the guys down there doing a seated military press of 315 behind the head. That was pretty, <laughs> that's, that, that's pretty that, awesome. that was impressive. Yeah. And up to now, the most recent one was, well, last year, there was that girl named Big Rude. Yeah, yeah. And she was a female ninth so grader. She's, and she bench pressed, I think, 355
0: last she did, year. She did 375
1: this year. Yeah, I heard. I saw that. in yeah. person. I was yeah. blown away by it because
0: you won't see that. Not, and then there was also, that was uh, Union High School. I want to go back to that one because uh-huh. we didn't really say this, but she is a ninth grade girl. Now she's 10th. Tenth grade girl bench press three seventy five. That was
1: impressive, and that that was a one time deal. I knew I wasn't going to see much of that. So you just don't see that amongst the high school, let alone high school girls, let alone ninth graders. And then Union County had a uh, young man last year who's going to be a senior or is now this year. I saw him bench five hundred something pounds in the high school level. I've never witnessed that. Yeah, you know, uh, but the four hundred marks were always impressive. So most recently. Those were extremely impressive. And other feats of strength. I mean, you see some strong people, but there were some things that definitely stood out. Those two, those young man and young woman, stood out. And then that one guy that goes, Jim, because One more man, um, which amongst Tallahassee is pretty famous, Phil Arnold. And he played football, I believe, in 1977 at FSU. He was impressive back in the mid-90s. He was probably pushing into his late 40s, -hmm. and he was still benching 365 for five reps. He had massive hamstrings on him. He's still around today. He's in his, I believe, he's in his 70s. I see him once in a while, but an impressive strength guy. He's still training? Yeah, he's over to Premier. Yeah. That was a year ago. I haven't seen him since. And he was so much of an older man at the time, that drew my attention because – as a younger man, at my time, my twenty, I'm like wow, that guy's impressive. Yeah. So many impressive
0: feats, but those are like some highlights. I sure, think. sure. That kind of leads us into the next question really well, which is, uh, I had one of my one of my clients who's in her seventies. Uh, she wanted to know what tips you have for um, for uh, people who are getting into strength training and how to stay, continue progress, continue making progress even as you age. Okay, All
1: right. starting out on a younger basis, we'll start as much as age eleven to yeah. twelve. That's what I begin. You have to build their confidence up. You have to befriend them. Sure. You can't scare them away at a young young age because they can become very intimidated by older people that have knowledge or big beards or no hair or something. It goes to young minds, and then you work with them, and you actually hold their hand at a young age, and you encourage them, and you befriend them, and if. You got to know their ins and out, mm-hmm. what's going through at a young age and their mindset. And always, the biggest thing at a young age is to encourage them to continue to press on. Fast forward through high school, and then it becomes a little bit more different. They know who you are. They're they're excited about things, uh, but then you have more things in the social life, girlfriend boyfriend issues, potential issues at the family, mm-hmm. um, bad grades going on, stress going on. Yeah. Stress is the biggest thing that can distract. These young people, oh, man. anybody really, yeah. but the young age, that's a progressive thing. Yeah. I'm just talking now the mindset, the cognitive mindset of to influence somebody. Then you go into the collegiate level, a little more serious. Mm-hmm. It's a little more easier. And they're a little more established. At that level, I noticed that if you still have it, you're probably going to maintain it the rest of your life. Then you go into a middle age. Then you have distractions of husband and wife maybe, kids, family issues, bills. You can't get to the gym because right. you have those social issues that play a factor on progression. And then you fast forward into maybe retirement. Then you have the age syndrome. Mm-hmm. This hurts, that hurts, the other thing hurts. But you had to still find ways to go lighter, longer rehab, which I'm experiencing now between whatever it might be, and continue to... Motivate yourself by Watching videos um, Bringing yourself around Other people that are still doing it Even younger than you yeah. Because that brings back a memory base Or encourages you to continue to press on But at the age of This lady was, you said in her 60s? 70s, 70s yeah. You have think slower and easier And mm-hmm. progress And you watch videos out there You have many 70 and 80 year olds That are still training heavy mm-hmm. Cautiously
0: yeah.
1: And that is how you can bust through your strength plateaus. Starts in the mind first. Mm-hmm. Everything is in the mind first. That comes the physical things, the cognitive thing, but more physical. And you got to have proper rest mm-hmm. between your excuse me your workouts. Mm-hmm. Proper rest between your sets. Sure. If you're older, yeah. all that plays into strength
0: plateaus. Is there? Uh, do you find a? There is. Do you find a uh, frequent like? Is, is there a difference in frequency in training as as you get older? Do you not train as much? Do you yes, think it's important to still train. Yes. As? Well, the example with me is I've been
1: reducing my number of body part breakdowns just one a day now. Okay, I'm still having a great still having a great result, <laughs> and my strength is doing really well. Okay. However, that might change in five more years, right. where I might have to go back to a two a day thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I have not experienced with Two body parts a day in a long time because I'm a strength trainer, Mm -hmm. it can get a little difficult for me with all my hours are going, all my activities going. So I see great progression and great results at my age Mm
0: -hmm.
1: going with the change up as opposed to doing two body parts in a day. And then, of course, my eating is all changed. My sleeping patterns have all changed. And all that's definitely uh, changed as far as the frequency goes. My level of training might be the intensity of training and and that frequency has come down a little tiny bit more Mm -hmm. and I still plug away, but there are moments that I speed up and I sweat and moments I go heavier and go slower. And so based upon the frequency, now I don't have a written program. I come in knowing what I'm going to do and my body tells me what
0: that motion should be or exercise should be. But I continue to move the body in some way. Is that something you think that younger athletes can actually take into account? Like you you can have kind of a rough idea of what the program is going to be, what you're going to do that day. But how you're going to go about that, you kind of let your body tell you. Yeah. Is that something you think younger athletes need to start to learn? I I tell the young athletes right now, they have a program written
1: for them. They got to do everything in order okay. the way it's done. Okay. However, mm-hmm. if there is a situation where they feel a tweak mm-hmm. or a strange sensation, stop. Yeah. Yeah. And then, if they have nobody around to tell them, they I teach them: you got to stop obey the body right. and try something else out. If that hurts, try different widths with your feet, mm-hmm. toes out, toes straight, yeah. grips different, wider. And I around. tell them that yeah. at the young age now, yeah. but I definitely tell them: stay to a workout that you have put together mm-hmm. because I went through all that. Mm-hmm. And there are days that you maybe don't want to do. I have you squat, right. suck it up. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. And some of my best squat days were days that I didn't want to show up. Oh, yeah. And I tell the kids this. And some of the kids are, oh, yeah, I went through that same sensation. And so the frequency has changed up. And these younger folks, uh, I, I know what they need at their age. And what they're going to need as I progress through. And as I got older, I asked some of the older people that are in their 70s too yeah. questions because I feed out to that also. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I really enjoy, I I really enjoy working with older athletes right now. Um, I think it's a, I think it's interesting that powerlifting is becoming kind of a popular sport with massive athletes. Like here in Tallahassee, we've got the Capital City Games um, and they compete in the bench press and the deadlift. And I was Mm. astounded with how many people came and competed last year, which is, it's coming up again soon. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So next question. What is, what's your favorite, so I squat, think that's a, yeah, squat, is that still your favorite? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah,
1: I've always loved the squat. What's your I, best squat at right now? Right now? Oh, right now, yeah. Let's see, I did a 405 for a double, that was weighing 195-ish. And how old are you? I'm 49 and a half. 49 and a half. I did 315 for 13 reps, and I was going to do 20 last week, but then I hurt my shoulder benching. Yeah. Yeah. So I back up a little bit on that, but I'll I'll uh, say four hundred five for a double. Probably got a triple. I'm probably about four hundred fifty right now. Okay. okay, and
0: yeah. And what was your all time best squat? <laughs> Seven hundred. Seven hundred at one ninety. Holy crap! Yeah. Now Now was this? Are we talking like not 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 official? Uh-huh.
1: It was at a, it was at. Uh, let me think here. It was at FSU's gym. Yeah. <laughs> I remember very well. Yeah. It was game on. Yeah. I I knew I felt it, and I had been already oh, doing. 605 for five reps, right on a regular <laughs> basis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's and of course ridiculous. it was, it was semi-equipped. I yeah. used knee wraps, right. but I didn't use a, a, a lifting suit. suit. No, yeah. just knee wraps and a belt. So it was semi-equipped. And then that one day it was a 1995 in that area, I weighed 190 pounds and went down there and it was at the lead center. Yeah. And we had about 20 guys in the back room and, and that bar was bending. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was bending. Yeah. I went down and up with it. And would it have been an official competition? Probably not. Yeah. But I would say three-quarter of the way down yeah. and up. And that was my my best squat ever. My yeah. best reps ever were 500 pounds for 15. <laughs> and then, and then this is all natural. There's no <laughs> drugs involved in this. This is crazy. Yeah. So the inspiration, again, yeah. from my uncle and then all of my heavy training throughout my younger life uh-huh. – uh, I was poor. Right. I had no money to buy the extra goodies that, yeah. even back then, were something big. Yeah. Uh, once in a while, some protein, muscle mass, not much, but mostly food, yeah. calorie intake, and heavy lifting. Yeah. Everything from dumbbell curls had to be heavy. Yeah. And we grew up back in the 90s and late 80s with a bunch of strong guys in our high school. Right. And in high school, I, I did a 575 squat only to get beat by a, a teammate, Jerry Sullivan, in 630. Uh-huh. And, and it wasn't official squat, but yeah. we moved the weight and it yeah. was relatively decent enough for them to say good lift. Yeah. And that was all that. Was it?
0: I am going to lose my mind.
1: And that that was a good lift when we went through high school. So squats are always my my best. Mm-hmm. And, again, what it did for the overall leg strength is phenomenal. Right. And I like the unknown when something's on your back. Yeah. We say rear squats, not front squats, which I love front squats too. But rear squats, I just love that feeling. Mm -hmm. And I love the the preparation of getting that weight on your back and it's game on. And I enjoy the bench. I enjoy the power cleans and dentists, but squats,
0: Mm -mm -mm. even
1: today, it's so challenging. Your heart races. You you feel that bar and you get really intense. And most people hate squats.
0: I am one of those. I, I hate squats. <laughs> I've hated squats for kind of a lot, pretty much for as long as I can remember. <laughs> and really just like this past two weeks, I've been wanting to do squats a lot. I've been squatting every day mm-hmm. I just because it, it feels good right now. And I'm like craving to do squats. So I figured better take advantage of it while I can.
1: Um, now that's a good point because well, you also brought that up. I've gone through my my waves of yeah. not liking it, liking it, not yeah. liking it, liking it. Yeah. But I always stayed Mm-hmm. To the point of yeah. always squatting, yes. always squatting. Gosh, it was just so fun. And yes, I miss those heavy days. Yeah. And I, I plan on competing one more meet when I get fifty someplace, yeah. and I'll see what I can do. I'll I at least get a five in yeah. the squat. Well, it's five hundred one okay. with kilograms. Okay. And then who knows on I'm, I'm pretty strong on DLs. I don't yeah. train as much, yeah. but I can still pull pretty decent. My bench was always difficult because I have long, long arms for a short guy. Mm. So I, I paused. Uh, Two weeks ago, two ninety five. Okay, there you so go. if I can get three to three twenty, I'll be happy with that. Yeah,
0: shoulders have definitely right. taking
1: a beating over the years. Oh, for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Let's go. Next question. Uh. No, nah, I don't like that one. Um. Who's the craziest lifter you've ever seen? Just animal. A man. Stop. I was in high school.
1: We competed in the YMCA bench press meets. Okay. And I remember those. we would have gone and that's all we could do. We didn't have the lifting up there in New yeah. York state, but we had to compete in them. We did a few, uh, push pull meets, that mm-hmm. lifting and dispatching yep. But we did the YMCA every year. And this one guy, his name was crazy Joe. <laughs> and he was probably pushing mid thirties the time. We were just 18 and 17. Yeah. And we knew he was there and we would, <laughs> we would always team to go first. And then we were sitting in the crowd yeah. And we could hear this guy yelling in the back, oh, yeah. and definitely giving some open hand slaps. Yeah. And he would come out just yelling, and he had <laughs> he had a salts yeah. broken up and stuffed up his nostrils, <laughs> and he's yelling like this with his hands, like, ah! <laughs> and we're out with the whole place is lit up. Yeah. And uh, one time, unfortunately, he had four fifty, I and mean, he got buried with it, so it didn't yeah. it didn't work. But the intensity yeah. was always entertaining. Yeah. And that was probably the most intense guy that I have ever witnessed in the gym. Yeah. Seen. Yeah. And uh, there were some characters over the
0: years, but
1: Crazy Joe was definitely yeah
0: I the think crazy that, guy. I think that tops the craziest lifter. Crazy Joe. That's that's <laughs> it. Smelling uh, salt in your nostrils. Oh man, I, I don't I know how I, do I don't that. know how somebody. I've, I've done smelling salts one time and it was like one of the worst experiences I've ever felt. Same Just here. Liquids coming out of my face. I did it back in
1: 1989 <laughs> and they told me it was Mike McCree. Yeah. And uh, he says, Bert, go ahead and try this out. So I said, 550 for a deadlift. Yep. And I'm like, ready, ready. ready? Hit yeah. it open.
0: Yeah.
1: Ah, And then I went down and I started seeing white stars. Right. I was past that. I stopped doing that
0: stuff. Yep. Nope. I never smelled it ever again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. And that like the only one you can do it on too. You can't even do it on a bench because you're going to start crying and it's just back in your eyes. <laughs> no, not a fan. Uh, okay, let's go. Ooh, this one's a good one. What's the most common injury that you see and what's the best way to prevent it? Most common injury that I see is back, lower
1: back, back yeah. 100%. And then how to prevent it? Well, it comes with the strengthening of the core and it comes with proper... Spine alignment, first of all, and even that's not 100%, mm-hmm. but in what I do and I, how many kids are trained in thousands of hours and thousands of kids, definitely is technique. You have to start with the ground base of basically chest up, right. shoulders slightly back, keeping your spine with a slight curve in it, yeah. and tighten the abs as you're doing the lifting or pulling. Mm-hmm. Most of the injuries can be prevented from that point, yeah. and then... You then hit, you then have a belt. You can use a belt, of course, sure. and and like I said, sometimes you just are gonna pull that back out. That seems to be the number one injury I've seen with kids. Mm-hmm. Then you have some sometimes some shoulder injuries here or there, but in all my years up here doing it, back was the biggest thing, and it yeah. usually comes from deadlifting. Yeah, I've seen that. So all my exercises, I don't. Max out a lot on deadlifts. Yeah. And then I, I sat back and I observed, and it definitely worked. Yeah. There wasn't a big amount of injuries. Yeah. And then we cut back more and more. I have had, had a back issue on DL yeah. maybe a year and a half, or almost two years. Yeah. Two that's, years ago, I had one in here. I'm like, well, we, we have to cut back on deadlifts.
0: That's kind of a hot topic right now, actually, because Robert Oberst, the strong man guy, mm-hmm. um, he was on Joe Rogan talking about he doesn't really train heavy deadlifts anymore. And he says, especially in sport. He thinks that athletes shouldn't do heavy deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might have said deadlifts at all, but uh, but really, that's kind of a hot topic. I think, I, I think I've seen the same thing as like almost nobody. Like unless you're a competitive powerlifter, like mm-hmm. unless you compete in the sport of deadlift, there's not really much of a point because the risk to reward is so yes, so high. Yes, I we still do them. I still do them here, yeah. but we haven't had an injury in
1: yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. So I keep my percentages with deadlift at about. 70 to 80 okay. roughly and then sometimes maybe like once every other month I might say let's do a PR for one rep and see sure and we're good yeah and you got to be observant to that DLs are fun because you're just pulling it but where a lot of kids look at the videos online yeah, their backs are rounded yeah and and they they get encouraged to do that it's not the right that's not the right neutral spine position to right. take when you're yeah. pulling Anything off the ground, you don't want to run the back. Yeah. Chest should be up and out, lock in, and use your – with your legs pull. Mm-hmm. All those Olympians that do that, yeah. not one of them run their back on the pull. Nope. Not one. Not a one. But and then in the powerlifting world, you yeah. see that, and it's accepted. Right. And that's your choice. But when you open up that spine yeah. and you have a disc bulging out, yeah. you can herniate it. You can rupture it. If you do that, you're in deep, deep trouble. Yeah. So the long-range goal is how long you want to be actively involved it it? I think if you moderate it a little bit and careful, as you said, Brian, uh, DLs are great. I don't do much at my age, but I can still pull near five hundred pounds in a heartbeat. Wow. And I just don't. And even my back gets tight after that. I can still squat heavy, yeah. no back issues. Yeah. No, yeah.
0: I've always that It always seems that kind of athletes are either a squat natural athlete or a deadlift natural athlete. Yep. If that yep. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense totally. And, and so I'm. I can't figure out really why. Maybe it's just a little thing, just anatomy. Anatomy, thing. and
1: then followed by the desire. Yeah. But uh,
0: anatomy does dictate That's a lot of what point. you can do. That's a good point. Yeah. Desire, the fear, fear behind the movement, too, I think. Oh, my goodness. A lot of yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. Um, okay. So let's go. Um, What? So, oh, this is a good one. Um, what do you think? What's What do you want the next strength and conditioning coach to know? About training here. The next one would be to number one,
1: don't scare the kids off. Okay. Number one. Befriending. What, what do you them. mean by that? Well, you come in too hyper yeah. and too intense, and in their face, mm-hmm. they will either resist you mm-hmm. or run from you. Yeah. Very few people right. will actually enjoy that. Right. So I have seen over the years that you have to. Build your program around your personalities that you're dealing with. Some guys I can get in their face, even girls, Mm -hmm. and yell at them. Some guys I have to come down a cut halfway. And some guys I can't do anything to because they will run. Mm -hmm. So as a strength trainer, the goal and the new one coming in would be to save them, to keep them Mm -hmm. into the game all their life. have a bad experience with you one time you may ruin that person because they really had a bad experience and back in our days we were just you know suck it up kind of days and now it's changed a little over the years so don't get the kids soft right and don't befriend them to where you're allowing them to walk all over you've got to find that fine line so the new guy had to find that fine line or the new person Mm -hmm. to how they can save the kid. And I always used analogy, what are they going to be like in 40 more years from now? Mm -hmm. And I want everybody to be working out. That's that's my goal. And so the new guy, new girl, had to come in with goal setting, short-term, medium goal, and long-term goal. Mm -hmm. And all of those things. So all those things are a contributing factor to having a person come in starting off with... With just that. Mm -hmm. So winning over the people, number one. Number two, goal setting. Mm -hmm. You have to have goal setting. And I use Bigger, Faster, Stronger. Great company. They are amazing. And they have books that I buy. And they have goals in those books that we know how to record every week, every second week, third and fourth. And it recycles back over again. Okay. So they know what their PR attempts are for every set rep. Nice. At whatever percentage it is, yeah. so they record and you abbreviate it: yeah. six, sixty, seven, seventy, eight, eighty.
0: Right.
1: Some kids go eight point five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and that's great. So you have to dictate as a new guy coming in or a new person coming in to set goals and then encourage them. Mm-hmm. And some of the most difficult moments in my life are when you have a person that doesn't want to be pushed. Right. And then you gotta learn how to get into that head. And some people
0: you just are not gonna ever change. You not ever. To, you almost have to kind of make them think it's their idea to want to continue like want to work hard at it. That's correct, you know. And I've true. had that also over the years. Yes. Now each person gets different. So the new person
1: has to understand, you know, their background, where they're coming from. Yeah. Uh, Are there any family issues? Right. Right. Are there any, like I said, girlfriend, boyfriend issues, things of that nature going on? If there are, you've got to pull them through. And we've had many deaths over the past 20 years up here Mm -hmm. with parents dying or something. And you've got to get to them so that they don't go on a deep end and talk to them. And each person is different Mm -hmm. as they approach a challenge. Me, I've always been in your face. Mm -hmm. But this person may actually run away and decide that he wants to do She wants to do drugs or alcohol as her scapegoat, or just become lazy and start eating too much, or maybe not eating at all because they're too depressed. And the strength trainer has to know all these things to get them back on the same path, Mm -hmm. to get them back into the weight room. Because this place here is a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. This place here is a mental builder. This place, I say this place, but all around the world, every gym in the universe, (laughs) if there are any in the universe. Is a place where the human can go and detox their mind, mm-hmm. detox their aggravation of the day, yeah. and you beat up the weights, mm-hmm. and you come out of that experience. Yeah. The problems will still be there, yeah. but you'll be able to think it through a lot
0: more simply. You'll you'll be able to. Uh, it doesn't remove the problems, but it does remove your your emotional baggage about it, and it allows you to kind of just confronted a lot better. That's the first thing that I knew in 10th grade. That's when I first started picking
1: that up. I said, I'm not going to talk to you. She said something bad was going on. I sat down on the couch. She goes, what's going on? I said, I want you to know how much I love weightlifting. She's like, "Okay," And she thought it was going to be some (laughs) massive question. I go, no, I just want you to know I've been going through a lot of stress in the 10th grader. She goes, what kind of stress? I said, I can't tell you. But I'm going through some stress. And I found out that when I go to the weight room, I really pound those weights. I feel so much better and I come out and I feel like I can think about the task a lot easier. I tell all the kids this. Mm -hmm. So your main question again, the new person coming in, you've got to be able to communicate with each of them the same way and sometimes different and never embarrass, Mm -hmm. even though sometimes I do if they can take it. Right. If they're lying or if they're oh, yeah. cheating sets and reps, I'll make them known. Uh-huh. But after that, I'll call them to myself yeah. and I'll say, I love you. Stop. Yeah. Don't do that again. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I work. Yeah. And, and the personality of the strength trainer will also dictate the, the way that the current
0: groups are going. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That actually leads into this next one really well. Um, What's the biggest difference between the kids when you started here versus now? Oh, my
1: goodness. Well, the truth is when I first came here, they were soft. (laughs) 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 McLean School, school. you might know, might not know, is a private school. So most of the kids have got got a nice background where they've got everything going for them, which is not bad. But when you then push them through a challenge, they're like, I got a vacuum? What? right? I've got to do this, that. So in the beginning, I didn't know all this and I had to learn this. And I started learning by backing up more and looking at how it was affecting each of these kids. And I had a handful that would always buy into this. Mm-hmm. And I had more than many handfuls that it became a struggle because right. they didn't want to show up or they were skipping or they were cutting sets or reps. Right. To fast forward today oh my goodness and it carries over to the success of the programs that we have football for example our best year was this year because we had athletes yes but we had athletes that were really working out in the weight room numbers were you know i take numbers i've got numbers and data since 2004 and the data is off the wall for this year. Yeah. You know, we had a middle linebacker squat 505 pounds. <laughs> oh. Other middle linebacker was squatting 460 pounds. Yeah. And and that's just, you know, there. Mm-hmm. And those numbers indicate how well they're going to play. Yeah. Yes, but they have to be athletic to right. Right. make those numbers work. Anybody knows that. 100%. So how it has changed is amazing. Oh, yeah. The kids, I might have 25, I would say, kids that really want this badly. Yes. And, and I'll be, I'm i going to be doing a documentary uh, with one of my athletes coming up because he had an astounding thing happen this year with him getting bigger, faster, and stronger. In all my 20 years, his numbers were the best ever. And okay. I'm going to put that out there. Maybe I'll, I'll tag your name, and then yeah. and I'll let him talk. I'm going to have an interview live with him and his parents okay. about what they've seen the whole nine yards. Yeah. And the difference is amazing it, at this school. It was a very slow progress. Now, public schools will be different because they come from a hard knocks atmosphere for the most part. And most young men, especially, know that their gateway into college is gonna come through sports. Yeah. So they're gonna be willing to work harder. And and that's the truth. So these, these young kids up here have bought into it really, really well. Yeah. And uh, I'm just amazed at this year's progression yeah, that I've seen a number of kids this year. I didn't have any eye rolls. Yeah, and awesome. I mean, and when I push them with the conditioning, it's yeah. really tough. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a really nice. It was a really nice year. Yeah. And and lacrosse now is into their session. They're, they're probably going to go to state. I, I, I guarantee it. Yeah. We still do workouts in season. Uh, we have PRs uh, that have already happened as much as yesterday. We had PRs in the squat bench and, and uh, DL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I cut back in DLs. We didn't do DLs yesterday. we had a time. Yeah, but amazing from when I started to now, I see an amazing turn with these kids. And amazing all, turn. And
0: there's always ups and downs with it. But have you found that that's a generational thing too? So not not a generational thing. I mean, with the classes. So you know, if one senior classes, um, they've been yes since freshmen, and they really correct. have that hardcore. Correct. Correct.
1: You are correct. And five more years might be different. Yeah, it's definitely generational, or should I say, I call it seasonal.
0: Yeah,
1: year to year will be different based upon what you have. Right. And this year was our best year ever with everything. Yeah. Our best year ever. And next year, I hope it's going to be the same. Yeah. If not better, but it's definitely based upon the attitude of the athlete. Yeah. If they want to be pushed or not. Yeah. And if they're not going to be willing to do anything, a coach can say you're sitting on the bench. Yeah. But that athletes, you know. It's gonna affect the outcome of attitude right. amongst the players. I mm-hmm. mean, there's some so many topics to talk about um, based upon leadership in the weight room and how it carries over, as Tim Tebow said. Mm-hmm.
0: The leaders in the weight room are leaders out on the field. How do you how do you develop leaders in the weight room? Good or question. can you develop leaders in the weight yes, room? Is it yes. really more of a who's got it, who doesn't?
1: Yes. That, that, that's a, I could talk to you for an hour about that one. I got all the time. quickly leadership come with some either you have it or you don't okay it'll start from the very top you either have it or you don't really then you start coming down some guys want it mm-hmm. and they have to work at getting it in other words they have to make their voice present they got to go ahead and deal with maybe the top guy getting jealous of him now mm-hmm. uh, they're willing to step up into that role as being a leader come down some more I've dealt with people and even girls that I tell them okay I want you to lead stretches. I don't want to really do that. Come on, you can do it. You know, you give them step-by-step leadership to little points. Mm -hmm. And you base it upon what you know your top guy will do. But then you want to make sure that everybody else can get a voice. So I have people lead stretches. I have people not lead stretches. I have people um, break it down after the workouts. Okay, I want you to do it now. Come on. So you go step-by-step because everybody has to strive to be a leader not a follower, right. but you're always going to have followers, and that's fine because mm-hmm. they have to learn how to lead. You see what I'm that's saying? Really, yeah. And you'll have your leaders leading it, but that is the steps I see. You either have it or you don't. Sure, You can find it if you work hard at it. Right. It's going to be really, really tough, but you can still do it. Yeah. Rock bottom, nothing. Mm-hmm. You have those people that don't to do anything at all is that do you think that's more of an introvert versus an extrovert
0: thing or yes that's more
1: hundred percent hundred percent you either have what you don't now i have dealt with some some kids over the years that were completely introverted mm-hmm. by the time they get done yep i had one guy come to me he was a like, father what have you done to my son yeah well this one kid was so introverted that he actually now is a doctor right you see, and and insecure about himself. Mm-hmm. So you get him through that. Then you might have issues at the family house right. where a kid could be getting abused verbally yeah. and she don't feel good, she don't feel good about themselves. Right. And sometimes they'll open up to us and tell us that. And yeah. then you gotta believe in them. Right. And you gotta get him through. So the strength trainer really has to know. How to deal with these situations? Again, I said earlier to save the person yeah. to make them not give up on life or give up in the weight room.
0: Yeah. But
1: this is the weight room is much bigger. Well, just say life is much bigger than the weight room. Right. This helps prepare you for life mm-hmm. and the the games that happen out there in the real world.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> I've, I've said this so many times on our on our social media with the articles and all that. Is that getting better at weightlifting isn't really about getting better at weightlifting. It's about getting better at being a human. Like learning how to learning how to lift weights is more about learning how to learn than it is about the actual skill of getting better at weightlifting. And that learning how to learn process develops and builds on itself. And as you grow as an athlete, you also grow as a human. 100%. Hopefully, hopefully ideally. Yeah. Um, this is the only area that
1: I know of in the realm of any sporting event that is able to not just build you mentally mm-hmm. and develop your character, right. but it builds you physically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And no other sport does that.
0: No, nothing does. Nothing. nothing
1: does. Now, some running can do that. Some running can build those legs really good, right. but there's still workouts involved for that. Yeah. But And then there'll be a cap off where you you get too old and you can't do these things anymore. Right. But you can still work out. Yeah and it can still get the body. So this is the only area that prepares you what I would call for a a two for one deal. Mm -hmm. You get the real world experience through all the things that doubts are going through your head. I can't do it more, yes you can. All right, focus now on tightening your abs and breathing properly carries over in the world. Focus on paying your bills, focus on, but this builds the physical body. Mm -hmm. And that's the number one goal in life is to somehow beat death. (laughs) And old age, yeah. yeah. old age is dying, old age is dying. And kind of live as long as we possibly can in mm-hmm. good health in perfect health if mm-hmm. possible. And it starts yeah. all around the world in every single weight room, mm-hmm. every single gym, every single um, small gym, big gym, whatever it is, grab something and do it mm-hmm. and make the heartbeat and make the muscles grow. Because yeah. we all start losing it and you got to find a way to keep those muscles in, yeah. in shape. You know,
0: And that's, I think what you said there were like old age is dying. Uh, That is really interesting because old age doesn't necessarily mean a number. It's just how capable are you? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you build a solid foundation as a, as a youth and with kids of training every day and just, it's a habit. It's what you, it's not even, it's not even something you have to do. It's just what it is, what you do. Exactly. That will carry over until they are 70, 80, 90. But if they don't do it past high school, that old age is going to come a lot quicker than somebody who lives for their entire life in the sense of being capable for a longer period of time. 100%, 100%. Yep. Let's see, next question, uh, what do we got? Oh, I had somebody ask me on Instagram. They said, um, this is probably an easier one. How do you keep track of everybody's PRs?
1: Oh, I write them down. Write
0: them down? Yeah, Okay.
1: they, they write them down. I put them in charge of doing the work. I'm not gonna do it for them.
0: Everybody. And can then that
1: teaches them that they got to balance your checkbook as they get, they got to know what's coming in, what's going out. So some places have the touchscreens and they Mm -hmm. do a thing. I don't want to go that route. We couldn't afford it anyhow, but I want them to understand with a pen and paper and write it down. Then you can start seeing what is, what's, Mm -hmm. what's, what's, uh, what's 30% of 200, right? What's, what's, and then they start doing percentages. They start realizing things. So they track their progression Mm -hmm. every week. And sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And then I'll sneak over and ask yeah. them, what are you doing? Let me see your book. Where's the date? There's no date in here. Yeah. And then you hold them accountable for that also. But my athletes, they write everything down. So when I make videos, I say, so and so's going for a five-rep PR. How do I know that? Well, he's written it down. has got it in the book. And he's got it down. He knows what he has to get, yeah. she has to get, yeah. and they get it. Okay. They feel amazing. That's If They don't get it. Yeah. You encourage them and say, "Hey, you're not going to always get PRs, right. but it's the attempt that matters." Mm-hmm.
0: I would say, if if we could PR anytime, we called upon ourselves to be able to PR, everybody would be able to squat 1,000 That's yes. a thousand pounds. have a huge numbers. It'd <laughs> <off the laughs> be great, wouldn't it? Limitations are awesome because it checks who you are in life. How many? oh okay. So this kind of relates to one of the athletes that I'm working with right now. How many people do you think are more motivated by success versus their failures? What do you- what A
1: guesstimation do? through all the kids that I've trained, mm-hmm. and they're young, Yeah, they're young. It'll, it'll change as you get older, but in the adolescent world, this is say 19 and under to, and when it's hit the 19, 18, 17 categories, at this age, I would say about 95% are driven by, their successes okay. rather than their failures. Okay. Interesting. Because they, they don't have the experience right. yet to understand that you and I tell this all the time that you are successful if you work.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're reframing what failing is. Okay. Correct. Yeah. In other words, the person. I guess business back here, coaches. The the uh, the person that actually goes through a failed attempt at mm-hmm. something, yeah. then knows how to come back and attack it again. Right. And they may have failed it five, six more times, mm-hmm. but you have to continue to get back up mm-hmm. and, and make the, the attempt. Yeah. And success comes through working. Right, That's it. But the fun part is, can you get PRs? You know, people going to get PRs, but everybody's different how they can get them as often as they can get them. Mm-hmm. And then that will come through the, the equation of... Um, believing and they're all happy when they get I mean, Who isn't happy, right? right? Success. But I do tell all the kids because then you start to program and think that they're always going to get PRs. Yeah. So that's going to be always nice. No, you've got to know how to handle when you don't get the PR because life really is full of more rejection than acceptance. Mm-hmm. And that's how I teach all my kids. You've got to say, hey, it is what it is. Take it. Work your way through with it. And continue to press on.
0: Right, right. What do you think? Do you think an do you think an athlete is better if they are more motivated by their failures rather than their successes? What What do you think? Which one leads to a I more? would
1: absolutely
0: say that an athlete would be
1: more prominent to have more success by their successes mm-hmm. at this level in high school. 100%. Success builds on success. Yeah. And again, that would, that would carry over to when they get older, then they realize, hey, right. you know, we're going to start having some issues. Yeah. And at that age, they have got to be told by a coach who told them this to remember what they said. Mm-hmm. As my coach, John McMahon, maybe he can watch it. He's still up there in New York. I always use his one line phrase. I can remember it. When he told us in 1988, we were going through a horrible session. Oh, my goodness. Double sessions up in New York State. Oh, hated it. And during the our breaks, he said, boys, if you think what I put you through was bad, where do you go to the real world? And I always use that analogy today because he taught me that. Yeah. Fast forward to when the athlete gets older mm-hmm. and they fail at things. Yeah. I hear his voice it's gonna almost start. like Rocky. Come on, you suck it up, you, <laughs> you know, and you hear these. And these are real things, even though even Hollywood has them. They're real things. I hear Coach McMahon tell me something or I hear Mark callagher tell me something or one of my other coaches tell me something and they inspire me. So and I said, we're going podcast. We are crossbred to what we were taught that works. and We continue to press on. So your question is, I would say most athletes are going to go into a game feeling good, knowing that they have done good in the weight room and very few at this level are going to go into a game feeling confident if they didn't do something successful. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent.
0: That's something I've been kind of interested in recently because I've had, you know, athletes that have had tough competitions, but it almost seems like when they have their best competition, and this is for weightlifting, right? So they don't they're not doing this for another sport. This is to get good at weightlifting. Um, they will have their best competition and usually following a best the best competition is just a big taper where mm-hmm. motivation is down because they did the thing. You know? I think I think I've seen athletes be more willing to crush it in the gym and be super motivated when they've had their worst meet. They, you know, maybe they're used to those wins and when they have a big meet that just doesn't go well for them. They seem to be way more motivated to get in and really try and do their best because they want that win again. I have many that do that here. Now,
1: after a failed, yeah. You say me after a failed or a loss. Yeah. Especially if it's a loss that it was very close. Right. That hurts the most. Yeah. Some athletes were back in the next day. Okay. Most were not. Oh, Most were still kind of souping up all the sorrow. And I always tell them, suck it up, right. get back in and get refocused. Yeah. And then they come in different yeah. ways as they are able to bear that burden. Mm-hmm. And then I work with them. Mm-hmm. And all of them, I tell them the same thing. You know, the person that comes in next day, awesome. You're on the right step. Right. The person that comes in 10 days later, listen, man, yeah. you've got to just accept this in life and yeah. you can't go and hide. Right, And then... Maybe mid, medium. Okay. Three days back, you're back in. Good. But let's make sure we don't lose focus on. Right. So again, each step is approached differently. And you're gonna have most of your athletes and lifters, if they have a fail attempt at something, they didn't feel good about what they did. Especially the lifters, because they're already trained, yeah. they're gonna come back automatically. But the athletes a little bit differently. Yeah. Because their mindset is not necessarily in the weight room. Mm-hmm. It's the sport. It's the sport. Yeah. So it's a whole different crossbreed of a, of a, of a cognitive approach to failed success.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's such an interesting way to put it because we're, we're talking about winning and losing as if, as they're different things. But for you, for you, your, your athletes, when they win and lose, isn't in the weight room, it's, it's on the field. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different of a, of a, of an idea, but I think we're still talking about winning and losing the same thing and that. We can have a, we can have a win in the weight room and on the field. Right. But a, a win in the weight room is going to help lead them to success oh, yes. on the field. Yes.
1: And then I always tell the kids too, when you lose a game, you're still successful Yeah, because you have to learn how to accept that. Yeah, You can't always win. Oh, yeah. If you always win, then you don't know how to lose.
0: And, and, the, and <laughs> learning, learning how to lose is not that you want to lose all the time, but learning how to lose is putting you in a situation where you have to learn from what you did and why you lost and then be able to grow from that.
1: Technically, there's, there's no losers in a one-on-one no. because every athlete competitor that's out there. They are competing. Right. Again, like I said, you are successful if you work.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I tell all the kids this. Yeah. You're going to have a winner, yes, and a loser category, yeah. yes. You might have a 10-bracket number sure. where you're down here. Some days I don't bowl good. Right. And it drives me nuts. Yep. But I always go in my timeout and refocus mm-hmm. and just continue to press through the mind. The young athlete, same same principle. And you've got to have them refocus, and they've got to accept it. Now, no one wants to lose, and there are games out there just take up maybe a basketball um, game. There could be games where they might lose by one or two, ten games in a row. That's tough. Sure. And then you got to approach that differently. Yeah. But again, same model. You definitely lost the game, but you are not losers right. in life. Right. You are successful automatically. Sure. Automatically. Sure. It does hurt though when you lose all. Oh, does stinks. hurt. Oh. It's
0: but stinks. again, that's part of the growing
1: pains of life.
0: Yeah. And you got to accept it, move out with it. This one's. This one's a question for... This one is more for coaches. So, uh, as a strength and conditioning coach, or this applies to weightlifting coaches too, I find all the time that I'll see, uh, because I mostly work with youth athletes, I'll see other teams that do work with youth athletes, and those youth athletes are just studs. They are killing it all the time. Yeah. Um, but then they start to kind of peter out a little bit. They get injured. They It almost seems like they are pushing too hard to to be the best weightlifter possible as a youth without any consideration for how they're going to be when they are a senior lifter or a youth lifter mm. or a, I'm sorry a masters lifter without any consideration for that and you know for me I see this all the time like my athletes are good they're they're doing great but they are not they're not beating those like 15 year old youth olympians but I know that long term this is going to be the best option for them down the road right is they're going to peak at the right time, you know, which, which is about 24, 25, 26 for weightlifting. Mm-hmm. And then they're also going to be durable after that. Like once they retire, are they still going to be able to, are they still going to be able to be normal humans? Like, Correct. like not injured, not hurt, not psychologically damaged from all, from how they train in the sport. That's a big one. Or, and physically. And physically. Yeah. Oh man. Um, how do you, how do you cope with, or how do you, I don't know if this is even something that you see, but how do you handle knowing that like, while this may not seem like it's the best thing for the athlete compared to what other people are doing, how do you handle knowing that it is and still having to, still having to kind of just push through performance performance. What do you mean? How are they able to do
1: something? If I get them something to do numbers, don't know. Okay. okay. So the number they have to be someplace near the PRs right. and they can't be getting blown off. Yeah. Then I gotta examine what I'm doing right. and then re-examine it upon them. Mm-hmm. And that's performance. So yep. that, that's my best answer. Okay. At my level. And then performance would be in the weight room as far right. as numbers. Right. And I always tell the kids also, you know, you're not gonna have, as you said, your studs. Right. That's rare. Yeah. Yeah, but you'll have and they'll start coming down. You're gonna have a massive pool of people that are gonna be MEHs, man, mm-hmm. Meh. Yeah. But those miss can start generating personal records. Uh-huh. And that's what I, I do with the kids. I'll I'll videotape somebody bench pressing 75 pounds. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go a month later, 80 pounds, no bar. Let's go. And that, that cool. makes that kid feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Now that kid knows you're gonna get blown out. I tell most of my kids and boys, you guys are gonna get killed. <laughs> But stay focused on one thing. It's a strong motivator, right? Stay focused on one thing: yeah. personal records. Mm-hmm. If you get five pounds PR, you are successful. Yeah, that is amazing, mm-hmm. and they accept that. Yeah. And and that's that's the the goal in life is to get them to understand is each person is only able to progress at their level at a certain volume of it. Good as long as they progress, Mm -hmm. that's all that matters.
0: Okay, cool. Let's, uh, I think we're going to go and wrap it up there unless you got anything else that you want to talk about. Uh, No, I think for, for, I guess all of your viewers,
1: uh, let me think here. My viewers, your viewers. Yeah, oh yeah, my viewers too. Um, Well, I I personally love this. This is definitely something that I've uh, taken to heart as a young boy. It was definitely a motivational thing. I've always been self-motivated. No one has ever had to tell me to get in the weight room, lift that weight. Mm-hmm. I've never been yelled at one time for anything as far as being lazy or cutting back. That was me. And then I carried over all those years into the weight room of just myself. To when I started, you know, people are reaching out to me even then. Hey, what's that? Or what does that work? Or how does it, because being a powerlifter, you do, you know, half squat, rack squat. You do unconventional motions and movements and a range of motions in the gym Mm -hmm. like what's that you know well for strength training it's different so I was these questions so people started to ask me questions at a young age and then i learned that it became almost less about me and more about helping others as i got older right and this job here and you share experiences through experiences that you had good and bad and Those experiences are given to make other people excel in something so simple as a bench press or something. But again, it carries over to the real world of how you're going to excel, excel in a situation, how you approach these situations. And that was just me going from a young boy up until right now, presently. I never thought about coaching. I never have. It was always about me doing my thing, lifting and being the strong guy and making people look at me in the weight room because i was so strong and i had that many times mm-hmm. now it's me watching them yeah. and me seeing their technique and their form and pushing them through what they're going to go through um so in my own personal world i've always been a believer about all things are a big believer in keeping your hand in the plow and just keep working mm-hmm. and and don't stop no matter what you might be going through, a tough time, that's the biggest deterrent, is a tough time. Yeah. Find that weight room and push yourself. You haven't even got to go crazy. Just go through, move the body, do, do, do things that you know will make you feel better. This will always add years to your life, always, except if you get some strange thing that might happen. God forbid, cancer or something that's out of our control mm-hmm. To a certain degree, right. um, modified by what we eat, what we do, um, free radicals, all that kind of theories about what we breathe into our body. But the fight, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, was how can you live as long as you possibly can, healthy, free, and strong, being able to walk upright with no cane mm-hmm. or a wheelchair. Right. And I look at all those people that do that because yeah. they were young. One time, and they were probably playing kickball when they were age seven or eight, nine, maybe baseball player when they're 13, 15, and maybe college. And they get old, and it's tough. It's something that you don't want to accept, but we do face the reality of it. But there's ways that you can slow it down,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it comes through experience, sharing the ideas, what works or doesn't. That's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah.
1: They, they don't ask me, you know, are you qualified or certified for, say, They ask me what works, and I tell them through my experiences what has worked for me. And what I've seen other personalities, Mm -hmm. body types ectomorph, mesomorph, endomorph I've seen it and I've put it to the test. This is what works. And to the person at age 70, I don't have experience with that yet, but I've seen others Mm -hmm. through social media. And what they have given to us to understand, impressive. The walks of life are so amazing that each of us have to go through. But yet, we are only as strong as each, as, as each other that are willing to help each other out and motivate each other to get through whatever challenges we have. And some people have some pretty bad, bad, bad challenges. Mm-hmm. It could be tough, and especially when people die yeah. suddenly, you're not, you're not. You're not ready for it. That's tough. And 9-11 affected me the most. Mm -hmm. I've had some close family members die that affected me and my performance in the weight room. But 9-11. Oh, my God.
0: You're full of memory? Yeah. Hold on. I got a computer for this.
1: I know where I I can pick up at. Mm. That day was tough on me Mm -hmm. because I saw I was watching TV when it was going down and I was like brokenhearted. I saw the people falling out of the buildings. It was very tough. Of course, the news is trying to like pull them away, but you can see that I was crying. Yeah. I didn't even know them and I couldn't go in the weight room for, I think it was three to four days. I felt guilty that, you know, I'm doing something better for myself and all these people are mourning and grieving. Mm -hmm. That affected me the most, yeah. but I got back in there again quickly Add to that. And I you know, went back on it again. So don't, don't give up. I We understand if there's an issue that you're going through some type of issue, but please don't give up and always, always find a way to make it happen rather than say why you can't right. make it happen. The greatest thing in the world, folks, stay as
0: young as you possibly can greatest thing in the world that's awesome strong finish right there cool um so let's see where can people reach out to you with questions How do you, uh, you can reach out to my email mm-hmm.
1: and it's lower it's lowercase l, al nineteen ninety at Comcast.net. and you can just add um title it anything you want and that'd be the, probably the best way to get a hold of me and I won't give you my phone number yet, <laughs> but the, the email will be the best will be the best thing to go ahead and and, and to get a hold of me.
0: Perfect, great. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and TikTok at Big Ben Strength and Conditioning, um, Twitter Big Ben Strength and Conditioning. Uh, I think that's all of them. So uh, go ahead and uh, hit me up. If you guys like this podcast, go ahead and share it with somebody that you think is going to find it useful. Uh, All right. See you guys next time. Cool. That was great.